Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Thanks very much for joining me on today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast. I'm really happy to have you listening. Thank you for downloading the show. Before we get started with today's listener questions, I'd like to make an announcement, and that is for the next upcoming Essential Tennis Clinic. And this clinic is going to be held on March 20th and 21st in Fremont, Nebraska, which is close to Omaha, Nebraska. This is going to be a two-day clinic. It's going to feature instruction by myself on technique and doubles and singles strategy. And I'm going to have a special guest instructor with me to aid with me on the court. His name is David Grumping. And David Grumping, you guys may recognize that name from the podcast. He's the mental expert and mental tennis coach that I often have on to answer mental tennis questions. He's going to be with me there, and he's also going to be giving a workshop during the clinic about mental toughness during your tennis play. So you're going to get not, on, not only technique and strategy instruction on the courts, around 10 hours of instruction on courts, but you're also going to get a mental tennis workshop. So you're really going to be working on all aspects of your game at this clinic. And again, it's in Fremont, Nebraska, March 20th and 21st. If you're interested in attending this clinic, you need to let me know quickly. The first two essential tennis clinics I've run have both sold out. So if you'd like to work with me on your tennis game and with David Grumping, definitely let me know. There's going to be a sign-up on the website soon, but in the meantime, feel free to send me an email at ian at essentialtennis.com. All right, let's get to today's questions. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get started with today's show. And our first question comes to us from Dropshot on the forums at EssentialTennis.com. Dropshot wrote and said, I have a question about being at the net. I'm quite comfortable positioning myself at the net, but I have problems, not so much with players that thwack the ball really hard at me, but it's those guys that take just a bit of pace off their passing shots and aim it really well, dipping low just over the net with good topspin and landing usually within inches of the sideline. Either I'm really slow in my old age or they've hit a really excellent passing shot for which there is no defense. Is there a way to train for this type of shot? Are there side lunges or some other high-performance exercises that you can recommend to improve my odds here, or is it just the inevitable slowing of reflexes that comes with age? And he says that he's 51 years old. I returned to playing tennis two years ago after a 30-year hiatus. Well, drop shot, that's a good question, and I don't think that most of this has to do with your age or conditioning. That's the good news. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't think that you're out of luck here due to your age. 
there's several things that are within your control that I think if you improve and focus on and do to the best of your ability, you'll have a much better chance against these players. So let me go through my, my outline here answering your question. First of all, anybody who's able to hit the shot that you describe and hit it consistently is a very high-level player. And yes, that's an amazing shot. And you don't say uh, what's your playing, playing ability here uh, is drop shot. You don't say what, what level you play at or what level your opponents are. But the shot that you describe, to be able to hit that shot a couple of times in a match would be awesome for most players. And you described several different variables. You talked about the ball barely making it over the net, dipping low, so I'm assuming with some good topspin here, and you talk about it being an angle past you and landing within inches of the sidelines. I mean, we're talking about a really high-level shot here. Now, if you're playing somebody who can do this consistently, then you're you're playing against somebody who's a really high-level player. And it may be that they're just extremely good at this shot. And yeah, you're going to have a hard time winning. And coming up to the net is going to be difficult. But again, there's a couple of things in your control that you need to really pay attention to and practice so that you can have the highest degree of success possible. Now, when it comes to coming when it comes to coming up to the net and approaching, there's a couple of things that you need to do and, and really keep track of. And the first one is the quality of your approach shot. And a big mistake that amateur players often make when they do come to the net is they come they decide to come forwards and approach off of a shot that's not great. And it's not a shot that's really challenging their opponents much. Now, I'm a big proponent of my students coming forwards and coming to the net because it's a big pressure to their opponents and gives you all kind of benefits. You're closer to your opponent's side of the court, so you have easier access to angles and and it's easier to put the ball away the closer you are. Also, you take time away from your opponent because you're closer to them, but the flip side is because you're closer to your opponent, you also have less time to react to their passing shot or to their lob. And so that means that you can't just wander up to the net on any old shot. You just can't do that. You can't hit an average shot to your opponent and just run up to the net and expect to be successful all the time because if they're in balance and they're comfortable and they have plenty of time to react to your approach shot, the likelihood of them hitting a good passing shot against you increases exponentially. So we need to make sure that you're coming forwards on a good approach, especially against a player that you're describing that obviously has the skills to hit a great passing shot. You cannot risk coming forwards on an average shot. Now, it may be that you plan to come into the net and you want to hit a good approach shot, but after making your swing, you identify that, well, this is kind of going to them. It's, it's not very challenging, at which point I would recommend that you just back up again and you just change plays uh, and just kind of throw that plan out the window because you can't afford to set yourself up over and over again for a passing shot from your opponents. Now, what is, a, what is a quality approach shot? There's two variables here that I feel are most important. First of all, 
I feel that depth is very important. And you need to place your approach shot deep in the court. And when you do this, your opponent is going to have very little time. One of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to have to back up to account for the depth of your shot so that they have time to react and, and hit the ball comfortably, in which case, great. You're, you're giving them more distance to have to carry the ball and to have to try to power the ball or angle the ball past you. And so the deeper, the better most of the time. Sometimes you'll see pros approach the net off a drop shot. That can be successful as well, but your bread and butter should really be a deep, strong approach shot. The uh, The second option that they'll have if you do hit it deep is to take it on the rise, and this can be very tricky, meaning to take it right off of the bounce, assuming that they don't back way up behind the baseline to to account for the depth of your shot. Um, either way here, you're really pressuring them a lot. And so I, I think you should really practice putting your approach shots deep. If you come in on a ball that lands around the service line, you're giving them plenty of time to react to the ball after it bounces, and that time is going to equal a comfort level for them and probably a balance that they'll be able to be in and try to hit a quality shot, and we don't want that. So try to keep your approach shots deep. Secondly, I recommend that most of the time you come into the net after hitting a down-the-line approach shot. And this is so that you can most easily cover the court and cover the angles on the court. When you hit the ball down the line, you are in a better position automatically to cover the possible angles. If you hit cross-court, you leave open a lot of court down the line uh, for for your opponent to, to hit a passing shot. Now, this is not an ironclad law, and you don't always have to approach down the line. Sometimes down the middle can be successful. Sometimes even cross-court can be successful. But in general, I would go down the list in that order of success, uh, possible success. Down the line, down the middle, cross-court. Cross-court, unless you hit a really good shot, is is going to really open up a lot of court for your opponent to, to pass you. This is kind of difficult to uh, to describe <laughs> with words uh, via audio, and I, I'm actually getting ready to put up a video at EssentialTennis.com slash video that really demonstrates this. And it, it, when you really see the court, it, it's, it's easy to, to kind of understand this. Uh, but I'm just going to leave it at that for now and just make you aware and make sure that you're aware of drop shot and, and the rest of my listeners that down the line is usually the way to go in singles when you're approaching the net. So when it comes to quality of shot, those are your two important criteria, deep and down the line. Now, once you've hit your deep down the line approach shot and you're pressuring your opponent with this shot, make sure that you position yourself on the side of the court that you hit the ball. And so if you hit a, a forehand approach shot on the deuce side, uh, it was a short forehand, you were over on the right side of the court, if you're right-handed, and you direct that deep and down the line right in front of you to the right uh, as, from your perspective, you want to position yourself a little bit to the right of the center line. And this is because it's going to be much easier for your opponent as they're on the run to get to your approach, it's going to be much easier for them to hit the ball straight than it is to catch the ball early and hit a big angle. Now, you describe your opponent here being able to hit these big, sharp angles. And 
we're going to talk just a little bit later about what to do about that. Uh, but you should be usually covering down the line first and positioning yourself in front of wherever you hit your approach shot. So if you approach to the left, you should be a little bit on the left side of the court. If you approach to the right, you should be a little bit to the right side of the court. This is called shading. And basically the rule of thumb is that you should be following the ball. Whatever direction you hit your approach shot to, that's the direction that you should be moving as you position yourself. All right, so that's my number one piece of advice for you, drop shot, is, is to come forwards on a quality shot and position yourself correctly. If you do those two things, then the amount of times that you get passed should drop quite a bit. I, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of these passing shots that are being hit on you are the result of not challenging your opponent very much and not putting yourself in the right spot. Now, I have three other pieces of advice here for you. First of all, make sure that when they do hit a good passing shot, you're stepping across your body for the most amount of reach, like a lunge that you suggested earlier in your question. So if you're right-handed and you are stretching out to your right to, to try to get a ball that ha has been hit well and you're going to have a hard time reaching it, you should be stepping with your left foot. This is very important. If it's a backhand and you're moving to your left, you should be stepping across with your right foot. This is going to give you the most amount of reach as you step across your body and into a lunge uh, type position like you were talking about. So it, make sure that you're doing that and you're not stepping with your outside foot, your right foot for a forehand and your left foot for a backhand. That's going to limit your amount of reach quite a bit. Secondly, pay close attention to the tendencies of your opponents and anticipate. Just about everybody you play is going to have a preference when you hit to their forehand side. They're going to usually like a certain type of passing shot, whether it be down the line or cross courts or hard and flat or topspin, or maybe they like to lob. Uh, when you hit to their forehand or backhand, they will have tendencies as far as what they like to try first. They're, they're going to have probably a favorite shot or maybe two favorite shots that they like to try to hit when you do come forwards to the net. It's your job to pay attention to these and drop shot you should not get beaten by the same shot again and again and again. If you approach on a quality approach shot and you position yourself correctly and you get beat cross-court with a sharp, high-quality angle, you need to put that in your mental logbook. If you do it again, approach to the same spot again with a quality approach and you position yourself correctly and they pass you again with the same shot, Okay, at this point, after they've done it a handful of times successfully, at that point, you need to start altering your strategy and either either approaching to a different place or approaching to the same place and anticipating where they're going to go. And you need to change your position uh, on the court accordingly. Do not continue to do the same thing and get beat by the same shot again and again. And I, I, this obviously sounds... Uh, really fundamental and, and it's and it sounds uh, very obvious like yeah I shouldn't have to point this out but th this is where matches are won and lost in patterns of good shots being hit and one player or the other not making any adjustments so make sure that you're paying close attention to your opponents you're watching their tendencies and then start to anticipate them and make adjustments accordingly
Now, last, last piece of advice here for you, drop shot. Being in better shape and being stronger can always help. So I'm not going to tell you, no, don't work out. Don't get in better shape. Don't get your legs stronger. No, I'm not going to tell you that, obviously. I mean, all, all those things can definitely help you. But I, I just want to point out the, the several tactical advantages you can have and also the placements of your shots uh, and your technique. I, I gave you some shots to work on, hitting deep and down the line, off a short ball. Um, doing exercises and getting your body strong can definitely help. But compared to everything else that I talked to you about, it's probably going to be the least important part of covering the passing shot correctly and covering it effectively. So drop shot, hopefully that answers your question. If you'd like me to go into any more depth on any of these topics individually, definitely let me know. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're obviously not as fast as you were when you were 20 years old. Uh, that's, that's just how the body works. But if, if you're smart out there and you know what to look for and you know where to place your approach and where to place yourself, you should definitely be more successful. So good luck with this. Please let me know if you have any more questions and I'd be happy to help out. All right. Next up, we've got a question from Bruce. Bruce wrote to me and said, I watched a YouTube video today that demonstrated the split step. My question concerns the timing of the split step. Should I make the jump when my opponent contacts the ball? When he, usually a he, begins the backswing or some other time? Cheers, Bruce. Well, Bruce, good question. And the split step is a very, very important topic and something that most amateur players don't do at all. And very often the ones that do do it don't do a great job of it and do it at the wrong time. And it's really all about the timing. If you're not split-stepping already, and I'm speaking to everybody here, if you're not already split-stepping, you need to begin that as soon as possible. You need to start putting it into your game because it's going to help you be in balance. It's going to help you be more agile. It's going to help you anticipate more shots because it just gets your body moving. It gets it in a good balanced athletic position. It gets your body prepared to actually move. <laughs> and it's so important. And if you're already doing it, hopefully my explanation today of how to time it exactly helps you do it even more efficiently. And so that's an excellent question, Bruce. And the timing is incredibly crucial to actually having this be a benefit to your game. Now, the pros split step and land just after they make contact by their opponents. Now, they begin the process of split stepping just before contact. You'll see them kind of get going on their, their tiptoes, maybe make a couple of steps, and then they actually make the, the actual split step, which is uh, a splitting apart of the feet, and the feet usually leave the ground for, for a short period of time, and then they land in a wide athletic stance with their knees bent and facing forwards. That's the split step. And usually they begin this process of doing that right before their opponent makes contact, meaning when the ball actually touches the racket. And then the professionals typically land on the balls of their feet just after contact has been made. I used to think that this was timed exactly with contact, and the balls of their feet were landing just as contact was made. 
but I learned otherwise based on a, a good video that Will at Fuzzy Yellow Balls created. And he showed several examples of professionals in, in slow motion timing their split step. And, and the pros will land just a little bit. And I, when I say a little bit, I'm talking, you know, a split second after contact. Now, when an amateur player tries to split step and, and screws it up, it's usually because they're too late. And it's, it's not that they're just after contact. They'll actually make the split step after the swing is done and the ball's already off the racket, and that's when they'll actually make the entire split step. And, and that is, that's much too late. And so typically I, I teach and I, I instruct my students to time their split step with contact. And so I ask them to land on the balls of their feet as contact is being made. And in reality, it's usually a little bit later than this for most players. Most players struggle definitely at first, if not just in general, in timing this correctly. And I encourage you guys to start working on this as soon as possible because it takes most players, especially if you're picking up tennis a little bit later in life, it takes most players quite a bit of time to be comfortable with this and to actually time it correctly and make it a habit. And um, ultimately, that's our goal, is to, to, is to do this automatically without even thinking about it. We don't want to have to think about how to time our split step during a match because that's just going to completely get in the way of you actually playing tennis. So that's very important. So I, I really encourage you guys to start practicing this on the practice court as soon as possible. And the timing of this is, is so important. So again, usually amateur players are late when they do mess this up. It's very rare that, in, in my experience, that an amateur, amateur player does a split step and it's way too early. And they're just kind of sitting there on the, balls of their, on the balls of their feet waiting for contact to occur. Usually players try to do too much with their feet. Uh, and this often happens on the serve and volley where a, a player will hit the serve and start rushing forwards and try to get too close before they make their split step. The ball gets hit, then they split step after the ball is hit, and by the time their feet are touching the ground on the balls of their feet, the ball is already there, and it defeats the whole purpose of, of making the split step. So this is why I, I instruct players to, to make their split step a little earlier than the pros actually do it, because I want to make sure that they do it on time. And my reasoning for this is that um, if you do it early, and let's say, for example, that uh, my, my student does exactly as I instruct them, and they do it a little bit earlier than the pros do, and maybe they hit their split step even a little bit before contact, well, you may not be positioned optimally. You wasted a little bit of time that you could have used to move your feet and maybe get your body to a little bit better spot on the courts, but at least your body is in balance and you're ready to move. In a split step, after, after you're finished with it, you're in a perfect ready position, and, and you're ready to move in any direction on the court. This is as opposed to being late, and your position may be better on the court because you used more of your time to move your feet towards someplace on the court, either it be recovering back to the center of the baseline or moving forwards towards the net after a return or a serve in doubles. Maybe your body is in a little bit better place on the court, but once the ball gets to you, you're going to be much more rushed and you're going to be off balance and not ready to move 
for the ball or maybe away from the ball if it's coming right at you because you used up so much of your time to move your feet and you didn't get yourself balanced. It doesn't, and the perfect example of this is the serve and volley. After you serve and volley, you want to get close to the net. The, the closer, the better, because it's going to make your, your volleys or, or half volleys easier in, in general. However, if you don't split step until after, well after your opponent hits their shot, again, by the time your feet touch on the ground, the ball's already there, and you have very little time to react to the ball once you actually balance your body and you're ready to hit the ball. I would rather that you be a couple steps farther away from the net by the time you make your first split step and be balanced and ready for the ball and calm and relaxed and waiting for the oncoming ball so that you can start moving again, whether it be to the right or to the left or forwards or backwards or whatever. I'd much rather that you're a little farther away and be in balance and ready for the ball than closer to the net and rushed and, and not ready for the shot. And so that's my, my reasoning there. I'd much rather you be a little bit early than a little bit late. So Bruce, Hopefully that, that answers your question fully. Uh, and again, I recommend that you make your split step so that your feet actually land on the court as your opponent is making contact. And this has, and by the way, you might notice, Bruce, I haven't said anything about your opponent's backswing or when the ball bounces on your opponent's side or even what type of shot they're hitting. It doesn't make any difference. You, you want to time this with when they make contact and so it's going to be a little different every time you want to watch the ball travel to their side of the court and then identify what type of shot they're hitting what position they're in so that you can see when they're going to make contact and you want to begin your split step right before they start to actually swing forwards towards the ball and, and I really shouldn't even say that because it, it depends it really depends on what type of shot they're hitting if they're hitting a volley there's not much of a swing there, and so you have to time this on the fly with how your opponents and the ball are intersecting and where they are on the courts and when the ball is actually getting to their racket. So this is tricky. It's not an easy thing. It sounds simple, just like a lot of things in tennis, but it's going to take you some time. So, Bruce, thanks for your great question, and hopefully that, that answers it. Let me know if you have anything further. Good luck in implementing the split step into your game. It's such an important part of playing good tennis. All right, that does it for the Essential Tennis Podcast, episode number 101. Thank you very much for joining me today. And in today's shout-out, I would like to thank Brian and Dana and Renata in Fremont, Nebraska. And they've been instrumental in helping me get set up the upcoming Essential Tennis Clinic in Nebraska. So I want to thank them for their efforts in helping find courts to play on and local hotels and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And the three of them have been big supporters of the website, so I want to give a shout out to you guys and say thank you for everything that you've done for the podcast and for the website. And I look forward to working with all three of you guys on the tennis courts in March, coming up pretty quickly. And again, send me an email if you're interested in attending that clinic. I would love to have you and I'd, I'd love to help you improve your game, just like I have many other people at the first two essential tennis clinics. All right, that does it for this week. Have fun watching the Australian Open, everybody. I've got it 
playing just to the right of me right now as I'm recording, and lots of great tennis already. Make sure that you catch a lot of that action. It's, it's so much fun to watch the pros play. All right, take care, everybody, and good luck with your tennis.